what is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. It's been a long week of flat track racing in Springfield. The TT was great. Such good racing. Dan Bromley was the first repeat winner of 2018. Jesse Janish scored a second place for the second year in a row. And Oliver Brindley with his first career podium. Congratulations, Ollie. Also, our thoughts and prayers with all the riders that crashed over there at the TT, including Brandon Price, who's expected to make a full recovery. Springfield Mile was on Sunday. We got all the way through the heat races and we started semi-final number one. Sudden rainstorm came in and we halted the program for the day. Jeffrey Carver, Jared Meese, Kenny Coolbeth, Davis Fisher, and Brian Smith were all fast on Sunday, but we had to come back and do it once again on Monday. When the program got started on Monday, first main event was production-based twins. Michael Enderbitson put the Weirbach Racing Kawasaki on top of the podium for Weirbach Racing's first win at the Springfield Mile. In the AFT Twins class, it was great racing throughout the day, but it was Jared Meese and Jeffrey Carver who exchanged the lead early in the main event. When Jeffrey Carver got in the lead on lap number eight, he checked out and he was gone from there, actually pulled a little over 1.3 second lead. Jeffrey Carver picking up his first mild victory of his career. Jared Meese settled into second, Kenny Coolbeth with a solid third place finish, and Davis Fisher, who was fast both days, set the fast time in the main event, finished fourth. Brian Smith settled for fifth with absolutely no breaks. It was an honor and a privilege to work with Dave Despain and to listen to his podium interviews at the Springfield Mile. The flat track racing continued on Tuesdays. The 2018 AMA Flat Track Grand Championships are here in Springfield as well. Tuesday was the short track. We rained out on Wednesday. Thursday was the half mile. And today we have a TT in the morning, a short track in the afternoon. Trent Lowe and Dallas Daniels are both some of the fastest kids. These two riders and others are all contending for the Nikki Hayden Horizon Award the most prestigious amateur award you can receive in flat track. Tonight is also the 34th annual Dairyland Classic in Plymouth, Wisconsin. Morgan Mischler going for his third win in a row. Jesse Janish, Robbie Pearson, Michael Enderbitson, and Shane Narbonne did double duty last year. Will they do it again this year? Who will show up and take the win? I've always wanted to go there, but I have to be somewhere the very next day. It just hasn't worked out. Bert, I still want to be there. This weekend, AFT returns to the Red Mile for the second year in a row. If we learned anything last year, it was the fact that the fans in Kentucky love their flat track racing. Expect another sellout this year. As the riders tackle another horse track, we will see if the line will develop enough for side-by-side -side racing. Kevin Stallings dominated last year, leading every lap and picking up the victory. I'm expecting Colby Carlisle to run up front, but don't count out Janish, Bromley, or Tristan Avery. In the Twins class last year, Jared Meese only led six laps but pulled off the victory. Sammy Halbert led 19 laps but came up short on his Yamaha. Brad Baker finished third. I think this week the man to be beat is Brian Smith. It will be interesting to see how Jeffrey Carver does after last week's win. Look for the usual suspects up front. Jared Meese, Kenny Coolbeth, Brad Baker, and Davis Fisher. Regardless of who wins, look for the Indian Invasion to continue. I'm really excited to bring you this week's guest. He started his professional career in Daytona this season, but has been riding motorcycles since he was three. Here's Jordan Graham. Hello? Hey, man. What's Hello? going on? Scotty Dibbler. What's happening, buddy? Not much, man. I hadn't talked to you since, what, two days ago in Sacramento. How you doing? Heck yeah, good. Uh... 
getting off work. I had to come to work on Monday. So uh, a little tired heading home, and uh, I get to chat with you. I'm excited. Did, uh, did, did nobody tell you that a job isn't nothing but work? <laughs> I know. It uh, all it does is slow you down, right? Exactly. Kind of like breaks. Yeah, exactly. So before we get into the Sacramento Wild weekend, let's let's find out a little bit more about who Jordan Grab is. Um, Jordan, uh, I know you as number one forty-seven on the AFT circuit, but you also run number forty-seven in the Super Hooligan class. But let's go back even further than that. Where were you born? I was uh, born in Santa Barbara, California, in nineteen eighty-eight. I'm uh, I'm one of those old guys like uh, Jesse Janish. So uh, we're representing for the old man out there. Okay, I'm not gonna say my age then. If you're calling that old, I mean, I'm I'm a my, my number doesn't start with an eight, so I'm a little bit older than that. So, so you, what's it like? What's it like growing up and living in California? Uh, it's the best state to uh, grow up in. We got the the best weather. We can ride motorcycles all year round, and uh, we got the ocean and the mountains, and they all go together. So it's uh it's pretty cool. Man, you're living the dream. I guess it sounds like. So, how did you get involved? How did you get started riding motorcycles? Uh, I was probably about three years old, and uh, my dad had this Bonanza mini bike with a five-horse Briggs and Stratton engine in it. And uh, for some reason, he thought it was a good idea to teach me how to ride a motorcycle uh, when I barely was able to even talk. And uh, the first time went just like everyone else's first time. I uh, ran over the dog's tail, went straight <laughs> to the fence into the neighbor's yard. <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget that Bonanza mini bike for the rest of my life. <laughs> no kidding. That's that. That's one of your favorite memories. That's my next question. What's your What's your favorite memory on a motorcycle? I think you just nailed that one right there. So, did you? When did you start racing motorcycles? Uh, I started racing motorcycles at about uh, ten years old. Um, we used to go out to the desert and race uh, race desert races, and I got a little eager when I was young. And my dad thought it was a good idea to uh, let me race a desert race, an eighty mile desert race. So. He uh, he actually rode the race with me, and I was on a uh, CR80 and made it the entire 80 miles. And uh, from then on, I I, I was kind of hooked. <laughs> wow, that's crazy! So 80 miles on a CR80, would you have to stop like every couple of miles to put gas in that thing? Yeah. So uh, we actually, my dad actually strapped a water bottle full of gas on my handlebars, and uh, halfway through the first loop, you do a 40 mile loop. And you come into pits to refill on a big bike. We uh, had to fill my bike up with the water bottle jug. And then yeah. we made it to the 40 miles. And it seemed like an eternity at that age. And uh, when I was done, my mouth was full of dirt. And I could barely breathe, but it was the best thing ever. Wow. That sounds like a lot of fun. Sand riding, it's yeah. difficult. I think they, they've always said that, you know, to go to go through sand, you go as fast as you can and, you know, get far back as you can over the, the seat, right, and just keep your arms as straight as you can. Did you do that on an 80 as well? Is that what you guys did? Yeah, you got to hold it wide open, sit as far back on the seat as you can, and uh, hope that you don't hit a rock in the sand. But <laughs> exactly. uh, that's, the that's, that's the best thing. I mean, it, it taught me to ride on rough track, rough stuff. Oh, so, like, when yeah. we get a rough dirty track i love i love it i'm uh i'm in i'm at home there <laughs> all right so you started you started riding in the desert did you do any motocross yep. uh along the along the way as well yeah we uh we got some local motocross tracks around here and uh some friends raced uh professional motocross and stuff so i'd always go to the tracks with them whenever i could and uh i'd go ride some motocross and we have some natural terrain uh places around where i grew up and we'd have some like 100 200 foot jumps um, up here, places like Gabe Castillo's and stuff. 
and I actually live right across the highway from Dave Castillo still, and we still go jump 200-foot jumps. And uh, so growing up doing that stuff, um, it was pretty neat. And we have mountains all around us that we'd go single track ride and uh, stuff like that. So always on a motorcycle no matter what. 200-foot jumps is, is crazy. I thought that was pretty cool when I was racing motocross, jumping about 65 or 70 feet, but I can't imagine doing 200 <laughs> feet. Yeah, it's a little wild. Uh, I, I never wanted to do it, and then uh, peer pressure always pushes you into jumping motorcycles, and uh, before you know it, you're hitting your brake, giving it gas, hitting your brake, giving it gas, and you're in the air for about five seconds, and uh, wow. it's a weird feeling, but I mean, now, being almost 30, I... Uh, I kind of cooled down a little bit. I uh, I haven't hit a big jump in a long time, so I don't yeah. uh, I don't really want to suffer the consequences of it if something goes wrong. I got to work on Monday, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you cool down a little <laughs> bit, but not, now you're racing flat track and and you're racing the super hooligan class, which we're gonna get a little bit more into that uh, in just a second. But but uh, when did you start and how old were you, were you were you when you started racing flat track? So I uh, I raced. A random flat track race. Well, basically, I always loved flat track bikes. It used to be on uh, speed TV and all that stuff back in the day. And like Dave the Spain would be the host. And when I was a kid, I grew up watching that stuff. And my dad would tell me about times going to Ascot and watching these guys race. And I never had the chance to race flat track locally and uh, always did. And always loved the look of a flat track motorcycle. And uh, probably about five years ago, I, uh, always wanted a street tracker so i built like a little sportster street tracker and i put a xr750 tank and tail on it and i called it mert because it was orange and it had the xr uh tank uh decals on it and i thought it was the coolest thing ever because growing up watching on any sunday you know mert lawwell is the baddest dude yep. ever back it, in the 60s and 70s exactly so i basically threw this little street tracker together and there was a local race and it said hooligan class so I showed up and I had some Pirelli old dirt track tires on the thing and uh, showed up with no shoe with some motocross gear and <laughs> ended up winning the thing. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> basically the first time I got sideways and swapped down the straightaway, I was, I was hooked for sure. And uh, not having to jump a huge jump was a pretty cool thing. And being able to slide a big, heavy motorcycle, I, uh, I kind of got hooked from there. That's that's a great story, man. I, I love it. So uh, how long how long did it take before you got a steel shoe and got a little bit more serious? So I raced without a steel shoe for a little bit, and uh, it was just when the hooligan stuff started going, when guys were actually putting little street trackers together, and everyone had their own ideas, and were coming up with all these wacky things, and the flat track guys didn't really accept us at all. And uh, it was guys like uh, Sean and Aaron Gordado that were in it for the last five, six years that uh, we all started flat tracking together and uh, we started going to more races and more guys started building street trackers and uh, it wasn't really going anywhere and the flat track guys weren't really liking us. And then uh, Roland started his super hooligan series three years ago and uh, he was going all over the country and I wasn't able to go hit any of them to actually go race against the whole group of guys, you know, and he was getting a bunch of uh, big name motocross guys uh, uh movie movie stars and stuntmen and all these guys together to ride the indian scouts he put together and everyone would bring their harleys and ducatis and triumphs and everything else out and uh i finally was able to hit one down at uh san bernardino uh, about 
three years ago. And uh, I ended up winning the my heats and went to the uh, main event and won the main event. And I had a really good uh, battle with Roland himself uh, in the main. And I ended up beating him by like half a bike length. And uh, after that, after that, he kind of said like, hey, man, like, come to Sturgis. I'll fly you out to Sturgis. I want you to get a steel shoe made. Come out to Sturgis, and uh, I want you to ride one of the Indians with us. We're going to have a good time. And sure enough, three weeks later, I flew out to Sturgis, hopped on an Indian. I've never ridden one before. 500-pound intimidating bike. And uh, he was like, yo, you're going to ride this one. It's got number 47 on it. So uh, good luck because that bike has thrown everybody off. Everybody's high-sided it or taking a dirt nap. Nobody wants to ride that bike. So I'm like, oh, I'm not superstitious at all. So I claimed the number and ended up finishing third place in the main. And uh, we had some tough dudes like Jake Zemke, I think, won it that year. And it was kind of coming around. And everybody, the whole crowd was kind of blown away by the whole hooligan thing and uh we have guys like jake zemke and joe cop showing up so it kind of started legitimizing us and uh i didn't know what my future was i just was having fun and super thankful that i even was able to show up to sturgis i after the race i was so excited that i got third place behind jake zemke and cameron brewer that i went out and started goon riding and i hit this big soap patch in front of this pizza shack on the edge of the track next to next to the stage high side of the thing rolled on the throttle and slammed the thousand pound huge hay bale <laughs> and uh and i actually broke the triple clamp on the bike and literally couldn't see anything my eyes went black i saw stars and i knew i knew okay i just did this showing off like a goon I stood up, I still couldn't see anything, and I bowed and uh, picked the bike up and rode it over to the announcer, and every the entire place was laughing. Oh, I and, guarantee uh, it. Yeah, so I guess that initiated me as being a hooligan, and Roland, uh, <clears throat> Roland kept me around, surprisingly. So, so, so <laughs> cool. that, was, that was three years ago, you said? Yeah, it was three years ago at Sturgis. So you show up and you start racing it. And then all of a sudden it seems like you, you get a factory ride from Roland Sands. I, I mean, I, a lot of people race their whole life and don't ever get to ride for somebody cool like that, man. That's pretty neat. Yeah. And that's, uh, that was pretty crazy that that even happened to me. And, uh, I've built a relationship with Roland and Indian motorcycles and they've absolutely taken care of me. And, uh, I've had the fortune to be able to go race almost every weekend. And, uh, represent them and they've they've done so much for me and uh i've been able to really take the bike and and dial it in and make it something that actually performs and i've had battles with joe cop the last couple of years and that's kind of been pretty cool i mean he's a national grand national champion you know and to be able to have somebody like that come out and race with us um it's really opened up everybody else's eyes that didn't really like the hooligan thing it's uh it's been pretty cool that is really cool. So the the forty seven just from that point on stuck with you. So you're number forty seven, and except for when you're yep. in the AFT series, then you're one forty seven, right? Yep, absolutely. So once I stepped it in the hay bale, I thought, well, forty seven stands. So I uh, when I actually just got my pro license this year, um, and, and they let me choose a number, one forty seven was open, and actually number forty seven is open. So 
my goal is to try to make a main event and uh, stick that number 47 on my bike and go from there. So now we're getting a little more serious and uh, going for it. So you raced at Daytona, you raced at Sacramento on the Husqvarna. Yep. Are there any other races planned? Yeah, we're uh, we're trying to see what the next mile is. Uh, after this weekend, I kind of got hooked. We're going to put some horsepower and torque into that thing. And uh, Aaron and Sean Guardado uh, had a Husky they built for Husqvarna and Rockstar Energy. And uh, they were like, hey, put a new rookie on the thing. And it was kind of hand-in-hand. Hand. They're like, hey, if you can get your pro license this next year, we'll put you on the bike and we'll see what we can do, you know? we'll be like the first hooligan guys to come in and try to see what we can put together. And, uh, we haven't had much seat time on it. Um, uh, after Daytona was really the first time I rode the Husky and, uh, we made some bad decisions and we've, we learned a lot going to Daytona going into Sacramento. We made a bunch of changes. I got a little more seat time on the bike. And, uh, what was cool is I've developed a pretty good relationship with a lot of the AFTs single and twins riders and uh, they've been a huge help anything that i need i've gone up to guys like carver and Corey texter and uh ngr guys everybody i mean has been a huge help and if i need gearing or just tips like sacramento this weekend Corey helped me a lot with tire pressure and tanner dean came up and asked what i need and it was uh it, it's pretty cool seeing that and uh being the that hooligan guy that nobody liked a couple of years ago coming into AFT singles. And I'm humble. I don't, I don't expect much other than learning. And uh, I went out in Sacramento and I started picking up my qualifying times at the end and I really got hooked. The mile is a pretty extraordinary thing. <laughs> it, it, it's exciting. It's hard to explain how, how fun it is and how fast you're going, but it seems like you're going slow and, and those straightaways yep. seem like they last forever, even though you're going, you know, 100, 110 miles an hour, probably on your, on your 450, but the miles yep. are, are great for sure. I actually saw that motorcycle at the Progressive Motorcycle Insurance Motorcycle Show, and there was a 47 yep. on it, and I, I couldn't quite figure it out, and it all started making sense. I started following you on social media, and, and I'm super excited you got that ride. It, it's good to see out here in the pro class. So what's been the biggest change from going from a hooligan rider into the professional ranks? So last year we did some uh, half miles and we've done a lot of short track racing on uh, our hooligan bikes. So it's a lot different than AFD pro stuff because everything's either a TT half mile or a mile. So we haven't had much time on a half mile until last year, Dixie uh, Speedway during the AFT program, they let the super hooligans come out. So we went back to Georgia and uh, the first half mile on my hooligan bike, uh, my Indian was actually really quick out there and, I learned a lot on a clay, greasy track on a 500-pound motorcycle flying into the corner and really feeling the bike sliding in all the way up that bank there is pretty crazy. And uh, to go from that to a single, I mean, it's, it's night and day difference. Uh, I think you can fit two Huskies inside my Indian. It's uh, 495 <laughs> pounds. <laughs> yeah. So, going to a little 450 and uh even on the short track it's you got to ride the thing completely different so i started riding the 450 and i really had to ride completely different it's been a huge learning curve so every race that i go to i try to ride multiple classes even the running of the bull stuff um that's been going on out here i've been trying to ride the bull tacos because they're little squirrely things and trying to ride the singles class and then ride my big bike all back to back so i can 
make adjustments and learn a lot of stuff. So, I mean, the biggest change going is the weight. I like riding a twin, um, but uh, the single is definitely really fun. Uh, Daytona was an eye-opener. We uh, we had some leathers made last minute. We made the last-minute decision to go there, and uh, the leathers didn't really fit. They weren't broken in. I uh, had leather gloves that were small because my leather gloves that fit me didn't pass the new AFT rules, and so we scrambled last minute to put that ride together, and we're actually in qualifying one, and Jeffrey Carver comes up to us and goes, hey, you know you have an eight rear tire on that thing, right? And we're, me and uh, Aaron, we're all, we're all confused. We're like, huh? <laughs> Just a bunch of rookies not knowing right. what's going on. And uh, <laughs> so we made some of those decisions, but uh, we know not to go back to that. So moving yeah. forward, we, w- we went to the mile, and uh, I went out there and didn't know what to expect. I mean, you ride the mile, and it's fast, but it's all slow motion. And uh, you really make time up how long you go into the corners and exiting the corners. And I was learning that and learning how to ride the groove and be on the gas. And you're kind of pitched sideways. And every lap, I was picking up time, and it was uh, it was really neat. I am definitely hooked. I mean, I uh, I was going to stay for Sunday, and I should have. And I can't wait to uh, get on the next mile. Yeah, I talked to you on Saturday night after the races, and I asked if you're sticking around for Sunday, and you told me a very cool comment. Do you remember what you told me Saturday night? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I wanted to get home to my babies. <laughs> Man, my I just love uh, that. My daughters uh, wait for me to get home, and usually when I'm doing short track stuff around California, I bomb home after a race and get home really late. So when they wake up, I'm home, and they usually yell at me if I don't bring a trophy. So... <laughs> I so gotta bring him get, home something. Did, did you get in trouble when you got home? Yeah, I did. <laughs> whoops. I uh, yep, whoops. So uh, I I had to explain the the dad's uh, racing against some of the fastest guys in the world, and uh, I'm the uh, I'm the newest guy out there. So it's gonna take dad time to bring some of those trophies home. <laughs> right on, right on. I'm sure they understand. So you did race Friday night though at the big time speedway in Cordova. You rode the single there and the Indian. Did you, did you pick up any hardware there? Um, I almost did. I won uh, all my heats. I got uh, third in the dash for cash and uh, it's a really small, almost 10th mile little uh, DG track. And uh, I probably one of the heaviest bikes out there. And we, fought hard i was running second uh behind andy debrino for most of it and uh couldn't bring any hardware home i ended up getting fifth place out there and then okay. uh, mile the next morning so it was, gotcha. uh, it was a long weekend so for some of our listeners we've, we've never had a hooligan rider on before and and yeah. i know there's there's a hooligan class and there's super hooligan class and you yeah. know can you can you explain the difference there yeah so like the whole hooligan thing is most race organizations now um, have a hooligan class. So, you know, you go to a random Saturday night at a uh, speedway in California, you have maybe five to eight hooligan guys. So they all get the bug by going, Hey, I can take my sports or I can take my Indian scout or my Ducati scrambler or something like that and uh, go race it. And they all catch the bug. I mean, I've told so many people, that that's the easiest, cheapest way to get into dirt track racing. You know, you can ride the thing to work and take the license plate off and go race it. And then uh, with Roland Sands Super Hooligan Series, 
he wanted to open it up to pros and everybody and say like, Hey, if you think you can come ride a 750 CC or bigger street production motorcycle with a stock frame, you can do whatever the rules are loose. You can do whatever you want with suspension and all that and run some 19 inch dirt track tires. Um, he wanted to test everybody and it's pretty cool. We, we get guys like, uh, the Boston brothers came out. Uh, like I said, Joe cop, we get old, uh, grand national racers. We get, uh, Brad Spencer. He's 57 years old from, uh, Gilroy, California. He comes out and spanks us sometimes. And, uh, he has no Jersey on. He just wears all a black sweater and he comes out and he's a sniper and he spends all year, all year, secretly building his bike and it's uh it's pretty cool seeing it so like the yeah. super hooligan stuff is kind of all the fastest guys and we try to get everyone out there from that have day jobs to grand national racers and we we want more of that um we don't uh we don't close it off to uh anybody that, that's awesome i know that i know your sport you know the hooligan racing series and the, just the hooligan racing just getting bigger and bigger every time i see it there's new new names out there we've, yep. we've talked to a few other hooligan riders about coming yep. on the show we might be doing this like about once a month can you tell me something cool. interesting that i might i might uh need to know about andy debrino yeah he's a he's an interesting one because he comes from a uh, road race background and as you know most road racers can really cut it at uh dirt tracking um through the 70s I, most flat track racing you had to be a road race guy you know look at kenny roberts and mert lawwell and all those guys so they know how to fly and uh when we get those guys on a hooligan bike they're fast and uh andy debrino came in out of nowhere last year and uh on a setup uh xg 750 and really uh put the heat on everybody and guys like that have really turned up the turned up the heat for everybody else to uh, show up with something that's going to be uh, effective. I was going to say, what well, what I thought was cool is he won an Indian Scout at the end of the year for winning yeah. the championship. Yeah, he won an FTR 750. And uh, what's cool is the championship last year came down to uh, four of us, the last race at Volsa Beach. And uh, that's the thing with the Super Hooligan Series, and Roland really strives to try to have events at huge places and uh three years ago when it started the ftr 750 wasn't even out yet so we uh we brought back the whole rivalry between indian and harley davidson um three years ago before the ftr was even out and uh most people don't even realize that but we were all battling each other and getting the companies to kick down a lot of stuff between those hooligan guys and all those big companies are helping all of us actually like get factory support to go to these races and battle it out. And, uh, Andy Debrino ended up taking the cake last year. And, uh, I think our points were all within 20 points of each other. First place gets you 25 points. And the last race of our series last year was a 50 point race. And, uh, I ended up crashing in the uh, semifinal and not making the main event last year. And I was within striking distance of winning that FTR 750. And Andy ended up taking it home and beat Joe Cop. Joe Cop ended up getting second in the points. He crashed with the second in the points um, three laps before the finish. And uh, wow. it, was, it was pretty wild. It sure sounds like it. So, so tell me some, tell me something about Sam Fisher. He, he's reached out to us. We've kind of gone back and forth, so we're thinking about having him on there. So have you raced against him? 
yes, I actually have raced against Sam Fisher. And we, uh, I raced Sam last year at uh, Flat Out Friday when we were uh, able to go back there. And uh, he's one of those Wisconsin guys. You, you, that's where all the fast guys come from is back there. Dirt tracking is serious back there. Uh, Sam is a, is a threat on the East Coast. And we actually went, when we went back to Dixie last year, we had some guys um, come down from back there and they, uh, they put the heat on us. So with the Super Hooligan Series, we uh, get to travel back there and get to race those guys. And Sturgis, um, all the East Coast guys came out last year, and uh, it really makes our heats a lot harder to race when those guys show up. So let's let's talk about more about flat track. I, I you yep, know, there's a, there's a hero of mine, and his name is Ricky Graham, and I think it's spelled the exact same as yours. So are you are you related? I am not. I actually get uh, get that all the time. And Ricky Graham is a hero to me too. And uh, I was just actually at uh, the Salinas TT when Bonzi won, and Bonzi introduced me to Ricky Graham's brother, Billy Graham. And my dad's name is Billy Graham, so it was pretty funny. And uh, oh. he was like, "Hey, it's good to see good to see another Graham out here flat tracking." So it's pretty cool. And uh, I know his nephew actually races uh, some flat track now too. Right so uh, it's pretty pretty dang cool, and I've actually been uh, collecting some Ricky Graham memorabilia over the last couple of years. So it's pretty yeah. pretty neat. That's awesome. He was one of the most talented motorcycle riders I've ever seen in my life, and I just had to ask that question. Absolutely. So, you get people that come up to you and and kind of doubt what you guys do. You know, do they think that it's not real racing, or or how do you handle all that stuff if anybody does that to you? Yeah, we we uh, we get it quite a bit. Um, I, I always try to have a good attitude about everything. Um, I never try to piss anybody off when I go to racing, but um, some California races here I've gone to. Um, and when I show up, I've gotten flack from people and people seriously do not like hooligan racing um, the last couple of years. And uh, I've shown up, no other hooligans have showed up to some AMA races around here. And we uh, actually went to a Newman, California race. Um, last year, really bitching almost quarter mile um, groove track. And there was five or six guys on framed TT 500s that did not, I was not welcome. I felt weird. They didn't even want me in their class. And I had to beg them like, Hey guys, like I'm a respectful rider. I don't run into anybody. And uh, I hope the same, you know, like I just, I'm just out here. I'll just start on the back row. And once they learn that I'll start on the back row and, they were like, oh, we'll just smoke this guy and whatever. Well, the green light came on, and I passed every single one of them. And uh, after that, they came off the track, and I went and talked to all of them. And they were like, hey, man, like, it's pretty serious when you can beat some TT500s on a 500-pound uh, scout that's not meant for the dirt, you know? And, Absolutely. Uh, I've, I've, gained, I've gained a lot of respect from a lot of local guys. And I go, I've had some promoters really uh, – really helped me out and signed me off for my pro license and and they've uh they've always talked highly of me and i uh all the younger generation i've got a group of kids and uh at, that i go to all the races and they always come out to me and i give them stickers and i end up giving them goggles from uh my sponsor von zipper i end up giving them fast house gloves and all this stuff and uh, they look up to me and it's it's weird i don't I'm not, I don't think of myself as somebody to look up to, you know, and, uh, it's, it's pretty neat. I mean, uh, most people are coming around to, uh, the hooligan thing. Um, I go out and try to represent and I keep my motorcycle clean. I 
always have a nice paint job and I keep my gear clean and I keep a good attitude and I, I really try to promote the sport. I, I, I never try to put a bad name on the sport. And a lot of people think that hooligans, hooligans aren't in it for the right reason, you know, and that's not it at all. That is so cool. Such a good story. I love it. I love, I love your passion that you have and you're sharing with the, you know, the next generation and stuff like that. And you just mentioned that everything you have is clean. Well, it's beyond clean because everything looks precise. <laughs> everything looks brand new. Every time I see it, it seems like you got beautiful paint jobs, and you're actually the one that paints the bikes and the helmets. So yeah. let's talk about your career. That's what you do for a living. Yep. My nine to five, I, uh, I paint helmets and motorcycles. <laughs> Most people don't know it, but uh, I work at uh, Air Tricks in, here in Santa Barbara, California. And uh, we paint, we have one of the biggest contracts with Red Bull. Uh, North America, and we do a lot of helmets, and uh, we do a lot of motorcycles. My boss actually started out painting Roland Sands bikes when he did the Biker Bill Boss stuff, so it works hand-in-hand, hand, and uh, all my stuff comes out perfect. I uh, I always have to keep my helmets perfect, and uh, my motorcycle's pretty much a show bike. I uh, I take pride in my bike, and uh, it, I, I like to say it shows, and I like representing uh, my people, so that's good. What's the coolest project you, you've worked on lately? Um, I actually just uh, put together a little Bull Taco Astro with my dad. Uh, we picked up off Craigslist for 900 bucks, uh, probably about October last year. And it was built by a guy, Jack Crisman, back in the 70s. And he built a lot of short, the best short trackers for Harley-Davidson and stuff like that. And we ended up picking this thing up and finding that it was built by him in 1981. And he ended up putting a Kajiba 125 motor in it, a water-cooled, nasty 40-horsepower 125 motor. So we just restored it together, and I ended up painting it like a Boltaco and put Kajiba on the side. And uh, It's a really clean little bike, and I like doing stuff like that. And I, I'm actually going to race it at some short track stuff and uh, some up-and-coming little kids. Uh, we got this kid, Cage Tadman. He's almost 10 years old, and... He is absolutely flying on a 50 out here and an 80 this year. And uh, I'm going to put him on the little Kajiva 125 Astro and let him tear it up with all the Volpaco guys. So it'll be pretty cool. Oh, he's going to go out there and do really well on it. Those, you know, the Astro frame is meant to, it's, it's a short tracker, you know, through and through. So that'll be a fast bike for sure. I saw, I saw pictures of that thing with the Kajiva on the side and I wanted the backstory yeah. on that. So that's pretty cool. How long does it take to paint a motorcycle like that? Um, well, when it's my own, it takes uh, a few weeks to a month, just on my lunches and stuff like that. But uh, when Roland Sands calls, it's a little bit different. We uh, we usually get rushed <laughs> and uh, end up painting some cool stuff, though. We uh, right. we actually just painted uh, three FTR 750s for Travis Pastrana. I can't go into details yet, but uh, everyone's going to probably be pretty blown away by it. So yeah, it's pretty cool. I, 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 I've seen a, little, a few social media posts. I can't wait for the, the more of the backstory to come out on that, but I, I can't wait to see what he's going to do. But uh, that's pretty exciting. So when you're at the shop, how long does it take to paint a helmet, one helmet? Usually uh, we're on a pretty tight schedule. Um, Red Bull helmets and stuff like that for even NASCAR guys. or uh, We get skydivers to kayak kayakers. We paint everything. Um, we can usually paint a helmet in a couple of days uh, and we're really meticulous about our work and 
everything is very high quality and you can't feel anything, any paint edges or anything like that. And, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty neat. And what's even cooler is with the super hooligan thing is I've been painting Red Bull helmets and monster helmets and rockstar helmets for all these guys. And I end up painting all these team helmets and now I'm painting all these helmets for these dirt track guys and, uh, guys like Tyler Bierman, who's actually on our, the rolling sand team now dirt tracking with us. We, uh, we sucked him in and turned him into a flat tracker, uh, through it. And, uh, he's actually been going to X games every year and I paint his Red Bull helmets and it's pretty cool. And this past Friday night, uh, we had two Red Bull guys on our team, uh, racing super hooligan. So we, on the grid in Daytona, even we had a Red Bull sponsored athlete, a monster energy sponsored athlete and a rockstar sponsored, sponsored athlete with Andy Debrino and, uh, Sean and Aaron Gordado. So uh, it kind of legitimizes us. I mean, there's some huge companies backing these basically factory super hooligan guys. So it's, uh, it's pretty neat being able to paint all these guys helmets and race against them. And I try to launch dirt out all of them and <laughs> ruin their helmets. <laughs> it's called job security. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Right pretty on. Cool. So how, how did you get started painting helmets? I uh, I actually built hot rods when I was young, and I uh, had a TV show on the Speed Channel on uh, Hot Rod TV when I was 18 years old, and uh, I was I never grew up with a lot of money, and I was taught how to use my hands, and that was probably the most valuable thing in my life. And uh, when I would build cars, I would have to paint it myself because I couldn't afford a $10,000 paint job, you know. So I was out in my dad's barn. Uh, on this place that he rented and painting my own cars. And I ended up getting into building motorcycles and paint my own tanks and stuff like that. And one day I painted the helmet and uh, it hap so happens that uh, air tricks is 40 miles from me. And when I got a job here, I really learned a lot and it's, uh, it's been really cool. Man, what a cool story. I love it. Before yeah. we move completely away from the racing stuff, how can yep. people follow your series, the Super Hooligan series, and so they know when and where you guys are racing in? Is there a website we can go to? Yeah, we uh, we actually have – you can go to rollinsands.com or um, we have the actually the Super Hooligan uh, stuff. We have it on Facebook, the Super Hooligans, um, or Instagram, at Super Hooligans, um, or at Rolling Sands Designs. And uh, we have a really bitching series going on. If you follow – them or follow me i'm always posting where i'm going and racing and we have uh some crazy stuff coming up we have a kelly slater wave pool race we're going to uh this summer in lamore california a really neat quarter mile track out there next to uh, uh kelly slater's wave pool <laughs> they're doing a wow. first competition the same day same day as our super hooligan so i think we're gonna have like a relay race with some pro racers and or pro surfers with the racers and we're going to race on the docks of San Francisco. Uh, that's never been done before. We're going to race at Sturgis again this year. And then we're going to top it off again at uh, Bolsa State Beach in Huntington Beach. Uh, again, we race on the beach. It's uh, pretty amazing that uh, we're able to run dirt track events at stuff like that. And uh, we actually put uh, James Monaco on a bike last year and Joe Cop raced with us and it, uh, it turns out to be a pretty cool event. Like 30,000, 40,000 people show up and uh, and watch Dirt Track. And we've been getting a lot of 
no-name people out there and uh, celebrities and stuff like that on bikes. And it opens their social media up to everybody that follows them. And they're able to see, like, whoa, what are these guys doing, you know, on these motorcycles racing in circles, bashing into each other and uh, having a good time. So it's been helping flat track uh, 100%. It's been yeah, pretty I cool. I would have to agree with that. You know, it, it may be a different kind of fan, but at least yep. it's a flat track fan. And I think it'll cross over. I think our fans from AFT will enjoy some of the, you know, the hooligan, super hooligan racing. I think the super hooligan and, and hooligan fans will enjoy the AFT races. I know they had a big weekend where they could do both last weekend at Sacramento. Absolutely. I hope we pair up, pair up like that again. I know we'll, we'll do it at Buffalo chip, our, you know, the national there uh, at Buffalo chip was on Sunday. And I think you guys race at the Buffalo chip too, don't you? Yeah, we actually uh, race at the chip. I think it's two days after um, the TT there. And uh, we race pretty much the same course. They take one turn out in the jump. But uh, it's uh, it's pretty cool. And while everyone's there from AFT or the Super Hooligan guys or all the bikers, it gives everyone something to do. And, and we actually crossed over with AFT twice last year. And I think uh, Chris Card liked it. So as long as we can make Chris Carr happy, then I think we can uh, we can keep going. There you I think go. It's going to work hand in hand. I think it's going to work hand in hand uh, over time. Yeah, I think so too. So you've been not, yeah dropping some big names, but you haven't mentioned your neighbors yet. We uh, before we got on here, I think we were talking earlier. You said you lived next to a couple of other famous people. Yeah, I uh, live right down the street to uh, Carrie Hart and uh, his wife and. We've become really good friends over the last couple of years, and we actually built a dirt track at his house and a uh, little short track. And um, he's actually racing Super Hooligan with us, and he's built a couple scouts now. And uh, we go out and battle it out and roost each other, and we actually ride up in the, our local mountains and uh, on our scouts together. And uh, we have a lot of fun, and uh, it's 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 been pretty cool to be able to go to someone's house like that and. He, he didn't come from dirt tracking, and uh, I think that he's gotten a lot of other people into it as well, and uh, it's pretty cool. How serious is he? I mean, does he have a steel shoe yet? Is he getting pretty – is he getting deep into it? Yeah, he actually has a uh, light shoe. He actually went and uh, got pretty deep into it. <laughs> uh, I love it. He can be, tim- he can be timid <clears throat> at times, but I, I, uh, I try to push him. Uh, you, you're, I, I don't think you're a real dirt tracker until you high side. And, uh, he high sided, <laughs> he high sided pretty hard last year <laughs> at his house. So I think so. once, I think once he did that, uh, he, uh, he earned it. He's a dirt tracker. It's pretty cool. There you go. He's a dirt tracker for life now. So, uh, That's right. when you're not, when you're not racing, when you're not painting everything, you're also a Paragon jujitsu purple belt. Yes, sir. I've uh, been doing that for about five years now. Um, three days a week. It keeps me in shape and uh, keeps me humble and calms me down. <laughs> I, uh, I love wrestling and, uh, uh, I have a good group of friends that I uh, do jujitsu with. And I was doing a lot of competition stuff before I started racing a lot of dirt track. And, uh, it keeps me on my toes and, uh, I'm actually able to, uh, get in weird spots on my bike and pitch it out sideways on the locks and, hold on for dear life with my legs and stuff because of jujitsu. So, uh, it's been a long journey and I've had some injuries from it and it crosses over and it actually keeps me pretty limber for racing flat track. So it's pretty cool. 
That's very cool. We we talked to Jeffrey Carver on here, you know, a little while ago, and he talked like he's really into yoga for some of the same reasons, you know, that you can use your yeah. body to do different things. Absolutely. And I, I agree with Jeffrey. I mean, uh, you don't know how good it is for you until you do it. Um, if you become really flexible, it, it's so beneficial to dirt track racing and, and I mean, everyday life, but uh, riding a motorcycle, you can, you can learn a lot by yoga and jujitsu and stuff like that. And I think Jared Mees actually uh, was a wrestler at a, at some point in time. And yep. I guarantee you that he would say the same thing about wrestling. You know who else was a wrestler? Mr. Henry Wiles. Oh, yeah, I can tell. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep. He, he knows how to wrestle those big twins, that's for sure. So uh, we're at right. the point of, of our interview that we like to do uh, Graham's question. And, and Graham, yep. how fittingly, that's your last name, but that's my, my grandma. She, she doesn't like to be called grandma, so I call her Graham. And she was a huge that's Ricky rad. Graham fan. But, but uh, she's a newer hooligan spectator. She's been going to races for like 65 years or something like that. And she's worried about some of you guys out there. And she says, don't, don't they think they should wear some more protective gear? So her question is, are there rules for your safety gear? Well, so when we do short track stuff, there you obviously have to have DOT helmets. Um, you have to have gloves, motocross gear at the least. Um, when we race the half-mile stuff, it's mandatory to have leathers. And I think the same thing goes for... AMA pro stuff. I mean, you go to a short track race on any night and most people are wearing uh, motocross stuff, but uh, we definitely make sure that people have updated gear. Well, you can't show up with an old, you know, cool seventies helmet and think that you're going to go out and race. Um, it's pretty serious. And that's why we keep our hooligan stuff on short tracks is uh, because of the weight factor and uh, the unknown. We don't want to, we don't want to hit somebody falling off a motorcycle at 70 80 miles an hour uh we don't even want to go to that point you know so we keep it fun and keep it on short track so when we do go down at least we're uh not going too fast right on that's a great one right there and she also wanted to let you know that you have a great infectious smile and she loves it so that's from my grandma <laughs> you know so she, she, uh, she I just love loves you, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> i think she loves you graham how's that so that's uh, Awesome. I love it. Now, now it's time for our rapid fire questions. It's usually how we wrap up the program. And, and I want to know who's your toughest competition in 2018, whether it's in the hooligan class or in the AFT class. Well, uh, I'll go with the hooligan class because uh, everyone in the AFT class is my toughest competition right now. But uh, I think my toughest competition is Andy Debrino um, and Brad Spencer. Those two guys, uh, I have the biggest trouble trying to beat. And uh, one's young and one's polar opposite he's 57 i don't want to say he's too old but uh they're both really fast and uh not easy to deal with because they're on uh, very built motorcycles okay good answer i like it what's your favorite racetrack my favorite racetrack man i would have to uh go with sacramento mile after this weekend uh i fell in love with it i there's nothing like going into a, into that corner and sticking on the groove well uh you actually saw me come off the groove one of the times so just just once you had, to go, you had to go make sure they had all the the safety you know the, the air fence and everything was inflated right that's you just went up there to check it out right yeah i had to uh i had to give it a nice little uh tire tap i right uh, my butt puckered i'll tell you that <laughs> right on so um what do you do with all your trophies um i usually try to give them out to uh any young kids that are out in the crowd um 
if I get multiple, that's what I do. Um, if my kids are there, I give them out to kids and, uh, people that don't, uh, have a bunch of that stuff. And, uh, when my kids demand them, I have to show up and put them on their nightstand uh, when I get home. <laughs> Otherwise I'm in trouble. Man, that is awesome. <laughs> I love it. What are your, what are your daughter's names? Uh, one is Harley and she's seven years old. And, uh, my youngest is Presley and she's three. They're, uh, huge into motorcycles. I have to ride around the block constantly with them uh dealing with throttle so it's pretty wild are they the next shana texter um i think my youngest might be the next shana texter she uh she's fearless and all she wants to do is get on the motorcycle and uh she's a sweetheart so i uh i don't mind if they don't ride motorcycles but i think it'll be uh pretty cool if they do absolutely so here's a question for you at your next big race um when you win who gets the victory lap with you um man depends who's there i think uh if my wife's there she gets it because uh she uh puts up with me going racing every weekend uh, and living my dream basically as a kid you know and uh she definitely gets it if she's there and if it's not her then it's uh probably gonna be uh rolling sands for what he's done for me right on you have a favorite helmet that you've painted uh yeah i uh painted the helmet about four months ago and uh We've all looked up to Nikki Hayden. Um, I painted it for a guy, Jason Nuttemaker, that uh, lives down at Huntington Beach, and he was one of uh, Nikki's good friends. And we did a tribute through Red Bull. Half of it uh, is a Red Bull Sun and Bull, and the other half is a big 69 with the American flag in it with the uh, Nikki Hayden star on it. And uh, I think painting that Nikki Hayden tribute helmet um, was pretty dang cool because I – pretty sure everyone that would even listen to this podcast uh could agree uh that nikki hayden's a legend and uh we put that on the top of the helmet it said nikki hayden the kentucky kid and the kid was crossed out and I, we put a big legend stamp over it um pretty dang cool yeah i loved it i saw it on your on your instagram i think and i just i fell in love with it right away so uh that, that's a class act right there i love that do you have a uh, favorite motorcycle you've painted I would have to say it's uh, my uh, race bike, old 47. <laughs> no, the, the, I, uh, the, pur the purple I, one? The purple one. That's my favorite thing ever. It's uh, it's going in the grave with me. <laughs> right on. I, lo I love the gold leaf in there, and that's that's very hard to do. Can you explain how much detail it takes to, to do the gold leaf? Yeah, uh, gold leaf is not easy, um, and we do it a lot different than other people, and we we clear over it. So it's uh, buried out and nice and bright and shiny. And we actually use a uh, 24 karat gold and, and uh, lay everything out and meticulously put the gold on and uh, clear over it and sand it and come back and do all of our paint over it and add a lot of detail to paint. And uh, gold leaf is uh, definitely the bling bling side of painting. And uh, I had to put it on my race bike because uh, I keep my stuff clean and, I think it was proper. Most people try to stay away from uh, running into me when I have a big old gold leaf Indian head down the side. They don't want to. They don't want to be the one to ruin it. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Advantage. Yeah, there you go. So, I love that. I actually had gold leaf on a couple of my helmets. I got hurt, and uh, Doug Wolfgang, a, a sprint car driver from back in the day, sent me one of his helmets and it had a gold leaf That's star bad. on the front. 
and and when I he he sent me that one because he wanted me to race with it, and then he ordered me a brand new bell helmet, and I took it right away and had it painted, and of course I put the gold leaf star right back on the front. So man, I ran with that the gold leaf so I totally love it. I love your paint. I love everything you do in, in flat track and all your painting. And uh, I'm a big fan of yours. Uh, before we let you go, do you want to say thanks to anybody? Yeah, I uh, would like to say thanks to you for even having me on here. Uh, you're an awesome dude. I look up to you too. So I, uh, I just want to thank uh, Roland Sands for everything he's done for me. Uh, my dad for putting me on a motorcycle and let me run over the dog and through the fence. And, uh, I'd like to thank Indian Motorcycles, my wife, and uh, actually my boss for giving me time off to go racing. That is so cool, man. Thanks so much for your time, and, and I can't wait to see you at the racetrack again. Heck yeah, I love it, Scotty. Can't wait to see you, dude. That's cool. Jordan Graham, number 47 in the Hooligans and 147 in the AFT class. I want to thank Jordan for the time, and I look forward to more Hooligan talk in the future. I've got a busy day. More talking, more driving, just to do some more talking in Kentucky. Be safe, everyone. I'll talk to you next week.